The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by HotMovies.com. Try out some ethical paid-for porn for free with none of those hidden fees or secret recurring subscriptions when you sign up at HotMovies.com slash bonus and use the promo code MANHOR. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey, right now, I just want to give a shout out to all my West Coast fan whores, hoping that you're all staying safe and your families are okay. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. And that feels like a very weird sentence to say with nothing in between the two, but it's fine. We're going to move on. Hi, everyone. How you doing? Welcome to my show where I typically talk to women I've hooked up with about sex, dating, and why we didn't work out. Um, this week's special guest is not one of my former flames. No, no, no. Although I don't know. Some women may call him a silver fox. So, Hey, Brian Howie is on the podcast this week. Uh, Brian Howie from the great love debate. And I'm looking forward to sharing him with y'all in a bit, but first show dates, people show dates. Okay. Uh, this Sunday, November 18th, I wrote October 18th. So I'm dumb. Uh, November 18th. I've got Comedy Fight Club down on the Lower East Side at Lucky Jack's. That's going to be, I think, a 9.30 show, something like that, uh, free to attend. Then uh, November 24th, Queens. I'm going to be at QED in Astoria on the 9 p.m. show Oh, with uh, former guest of the pod, Tracy Carnazzo. And then... November 28th in Brooklyn, I'll be at Much More's on the 6.30 p.m. show. So I hope you all will come out and say hey to me at those. Um, I did just get back from Los Angeles. A shout out, by the way, to those of you who uh, came out to the L.A. live show. We had a, a small but attentive crowd uh, as, as me and three other ladies we went there. We went to places. I am looking forward to show, uh, sharing it with y'all next week. It's time for the p- fan whore appreciation moment. All right. This is the part of the podcast where I like to give a little shout out to some of the members of our fan whore community on Patreon. First shout out is going to Paige Janelle. Uh, your membership was short lived, so not, not really much I could say about you. you. You didn't stick around long enough for me to get to know you well. But what I do know is that is that is one of the best $20 minus fees I've ever received in my life. And thank you for that. Um, <laughs> thank you. And, uh, and a shout out to Jessica B, an avid runner out in Los Angeles. Uh, it was wonderful meeting you at our fan whore meetup before the live show. You have a good taste in whiskey. Yes, you do. And one more going out to Susanna Garrett, who is a... Uh, I have come to learn is uh, quite the, the MILF and public breastfeeding advocate. And I am not going to step further into either of those two topics because there's no way I'm going to do that one right. Uh, thank you, Susanna, for your support. I'm glad you're part of the community. And you, too, can become a member for as little as $1 a month. 
Not only will you be supporting the Man Whore Podcast financially, but you'll also receive exclusive bonus episodes of the Man Whore Podcast, as well as access to secret sex-positive discussion groups, such as The Champagne Room and The Peep Show. To become a member, just go on over to patreon.com slash Podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast. Before I get to this week's guest, Brian Howie, I want to remind you all to go try out hotmovies.com. Yeah, yeah, you know the drill. Hashtag pay for your porn. Hashtag pay for some of your porn. And why not pay for some of that porn over at hotmovies.com? I think Hot Movies genuinely accounts for about 30 to... I'm going to say 30 to 40% of my porn watching is ethical and paid for. Hotmovies.com is honestly kind of like the Netflix of porn. It's a pay-per-minute site where you buy a bundle of minutes and you have access to hundreds of thousands of movies that span multiple decades. Uh, And you can actually try hotmovies.com for free. Did you know that? For free when you sign up using promo code MANHOR. Yeah, you can try their 20-minute free trial without the code, but with the code, you get 40 free minutes because I'm looking out for you. I've known Brian a couple years now. Um, he does a podcast, a very popular podcast called The Great Love Debate, which is also a live show. It's a live panel show. He tours all over the country. I myself have been on it, I think, three times. And it really is just this uh, this audience-wide discussion about dating and relationships and why we don't talk to each other anymore. There's a lot of stuff, uh, you know, that I agree with with Brian. And then there's a lot of things I definitely don't. And then there's a lot of things where I agree with him, but not his delivery or the logic by which he got there. I ultimately uh, think he is a man of a certain age who is appealing and bringing along other people of a certain age. And if he can get. 45 50 year old women in his audiences to get comfortable with the feminist concept of a woman making the first move i think there's some people in his that you know that brian appeals to that still are uncomfortable with a man not paying for dinner so really when he's when he's promoting confidence and making first moves and not buying into what society said, you know, that that man or that relationship needs to be. In his own way, he is very feminist. But he's also a shit kicker, like myself. Like, hey, you know, shit kicker recognizes shit kicker. You know what I mean? We have uh, some points of view that are not always uh, the most popular, but we don't necessarily shy away from them. You know, one one of the ones that comes up is the, you know, is how the Me Too era has affected dating. You know, he's he says that a lot of men, I would call them boys, a lot of men are starting to become even afraid to even hit on a woman. These are the dudes going, well, if we can't slap her ass and call her toots, then how are men and women supposed to date? <laughs> Talk to each other like you just don't have to do it that way or maybe not in the workplace, which is something Brian and I agree on. I think a lot of the men who are complaining that they don't know how 
they can flirt with women. What they're really trying to say is they're scared that they don't know the rules. Because for a long time, we either knew the rules or they were above the rules, right? Men, and a lot of this, we it's not like this is a new thing that's happening. It's that they're finally being called out on it. So there's, I think a lot of men are scared that they don't know the rules and they know they're no longer above the rules. And I say, good. I think it's good that when I'm at a play party that I'm extra conscientious where my hands are. Because sometimes I get a little loosey-goosey. Maybe my arms are flapping around a bit. I am extra cautious about that at a party, which has caused me to be extra cautious about my general presence in the vicinity of others outside of parties. I think it's good if dudes are a bit more afraid, right? But not just for the sake of them being afraid because that opens up the opportunity to be like, oh, now they might be willing to learn. Now maybe we can have some sex education. And maybe if we can start the sex education now at younger ages, there will be less need to have a seminar for 43-year-old men who aren't taking it seriously. I don't think the Me Too era has a, has damaged dating at all. I think all it's going to do is make dating harder for the people who shouldn't have been allowed to be dating. It's fine by me. So Brian and I had a, had a lively chat, as most of my chats with Brian are, whether they be in person or online. Um, so, you know, I hope you all enjoy this one. And we also have a bonus episode on Patreon coming out exclusively on Patreon tomorrow for all of my $5 and up members. An extra snippet I took out of this uh, episode that's just all about how Trump voters are potentially a valid deal breaker to have. I guess you'll have to hear those opinions tomorrow. But for now, let's get to me and Brian Howie. What was the Playboy show that was on years ago? Night Calls? Are you old enough to remember Playboy Night Calls? Uh, whenever I could remember it the password. It was like the yeah. original call-in uh, radio show. It was like 11.30 at night. It was like the dirty version of Love Line. Right. And I, did, out, I yeah. did that a couple times, and you'd be having an interview, but they would have a bed there, and they'd be like, let's check in with Monica and Sherry and see what's going on over there. Like It was literally right. like four feet away from you, and you would kind of tune it out, and then you'd pay attention to it. It was weird. I feel like that's like a similar thing that happens Like if you go to a sex party you've never been before. Like For the first 10 minutes, like, oh my God, there's people fucking. And then you go, like by the end of it, then you start going like, okay, yeah, that's going on, that's going on. Well, the first time I went to uh, some dungeon over here, because okay. my friend was a dominatrix, that, you don't uh, need to justify the, the reason. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I was there. Well, I was like, why I went there is the first time. Sure, Brian. And I noticed all the rolls of paper towels, and that creeped me out more than anything. <laughs> exactly. If there was not that, I think it would have been fine. Yeah. You, you and know, then you get used to it. Yeah, you notice those things more. Like I you notice those things. What are those for? I noticed the snack table. I'm like, what? Yeah. I saw what you just did with your hands. Yeah, like, I know that. I don't know why orgies decide to have finger foods, like have nice individual serving stuff. I think it breaks down walls. <laughs> mm-hmm, breaks down walls? I don't want. <laughs> I don't know whose juices I'm putting in my mouth. But that's the point of an orgy. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I think the point of the orgy is to put the people's fluids with whom you want to put in into your mouth. Is it? Yeah. Is there or orgy etiquette? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, there's orgy etiquette. Yeah. I thought once you signed up for the orgy, everything, everybody's in a pile. Oh, no. Well. There is debate about the uses of the term sex party and orgy. Sometimes I use interchangeably, but some make the argument that an orgy is like a pile of people and that it can be a subset of a sex party. 
So like you go to the sex party and see stuff going on and in the sex party, oh, there's an orgy in that corner of a party. I think it would be worse <laughs> to be rejected at an orgy or sex party than just about anywhere else. Sure, yeah, because it's multiple people. Dirt. But the idea is if you go to a 200-person sex party... Uh, if you know, you're getting you turned down at a sex party, that's humiliating. Uh, it's humili- uh You're having sex with everybody here but me? Well, but not people usually aren't having sex with everybody. Well, even percentage-wise, in a bar, maybe one person will have sex with you. At a sex party, theoretically, several would. So if you're not doing well at the sex party, mm. I think that would be humiliating. Uh, I, I would say not humiliating, <laughs> disappointing. Maybe not humiliating, because I don't know if humiliation maybe involves other people seeing that you get rejected by multiple people. Maybe. But I think there's a common misconception about like that there is orgy etiquette. Like, yeah, there's still consent involved. There's still agency. There's still like uh, safer sex practices involved. Is yeah. three people an orgy? What's the, what's a, the definition? I'm of the opinion five. five. I think five or more, because I think four is a foursome or a swap. I think five or more, you got yourself a nice little orgy going on. Right. So it's not two couples. Yeah, yeah. I think some people say four and I say nonsense. So five's an orgy. Yeah. So if there's five people there mm-hmm. and you're orgying, somebody can be like, not, I only want this combo platter. I, uh, in theory, yeah, you, can, you just have to negotiate everything. It, we, they have to do, do this. The guys have to talk about what they're comfortable with with each other. Everybody has to do this terrifying thing where they communicate <laughs> with the person they're oh, going to have sex with. That I know. sounds terrible. That terrifying thing that you talk about people not wanting to do at Starbucks. It's just like, yeah, just fucking talk to them. I don't know. Like people will email me asking advice, like, oh, how do I ask the person this? Fucking ask them. I don't know. <laughs> Is most of the negotiation conversation between the dudes? I think between everybody involved. How close can I get to another dude? Uh, if that is a boundary for you. So, for example, like, I'm okay with incidental contact. That's not a flag uh, on the field, right? How incidental? Uh, you know, if thighs are rubbing up or if we're doing a DP, like, balls may slide. Yeah, I think I'm out. And that's fine. You, <laughs> and, but I think I would have to say that. Yeah, right. So, let's say, like, let's say you're in a little cup or let's say you're even in a threesome with another fella, which I, I just appreciate to have assistance with the lady. So, just, you know, division of labor. But... Let's say she's like, okay, now I want you both. I want you in my ass and I want you in my pussy. And if that's a little too close for comfort for you, you can say, actually, like, I don't know if I'm really comfortable with that. And then then she'd be like, great, then stick your cock back in my mouth. I don't know. What's more, uh, not normal, common, Uh the men uh, who are not comfortable with incidental conduct or is incidental conduct, like if you're here, of course, you're expecting that. Well, I think, how many guys just want multiple chicks and the dudes are two feet away? Well, uh, they uh, they they haven't quite finished the research. Um, they haven't, <laughs> but they, uh, you know they haven't done studies or anything. But I in think, your personal uh, experience of hearing or experience, sure. When I go, I don't go to like traditional swinger clubs. I go to like uh, the party I go to is like a very queer friendly, diverse crowd. So, I mean, you're going to get plenty of guys there who are not only okay with incidental contact, they invite it. Uh, but, you know, I think if you go to a party, if you're going to be in a group sex environment, I think you need to, like, not be – if you're a dude who's so un- uncomfortable with your sexuality that, like, you can't handle a, a naked man, act, like, brushing past you while he walks by, not touching you, but, like, you know, oh, it's a tight space, whatever – Maybe you need to. Is look. that about comfortable with your sexuality, or is that about I think physically? I because 
because uh, a, because a woman if a woman's passing by you're not even if it's an ugly woman that you're not attracted to you're probably not freaking out the same way as when the guy I treat when men uh, either make a pass at me or like I said if like our thighs rubbed. Um, I treat it the same way as if it was a woman I'm really not attracted to. Well, I don't mind a guy making a pass at me. Sure, that sure. meant on some level I have some style or <laughs> I, I I don't mind that. But some there's there's vegans who you can sit right next to me and eat meat. And there's vegans who are like just the thought and smell and look of meat freaks me out. So That's think, not about their veganism. I think that person and the guy who can't handle that he's like within three inches of another naked man both of them need to chill so the they're out. they're uptight vegans they're both yeah they're both uptight people exactly <laughs> you need to accept some meat yeah. in I your th- world yeah so i don't think you need to like accept like play with another man um i had a threesome with this couple last month who like they really wanted to buy guy i was like i'm just not comfortable with that but uh to have him involved in a way when they at one point wanted to watch me stroke so I'm stroking my dick and I'm like, I'm inviting him in to make, con- she's saying, oh, you've got a great dick. And I'm inviting him to make, con- I'm like, and, and, and hey, your name, what's, what do you think? Like, I'm inviting him in rather than completely excluding him just because I'm not interested. Uh, so I think if you're at a group play and encounter, like, you need to be con- comfortable, especially if there's a lot of people with some incidental contact, even if it's just people walking by, if there's a lot of hands going on, like, yeah, you might be fingering someone while I'm reaching over to grab her breast and then if your arms touch there are some dudes who might freak the fuck out is jealousy more common i think jealousy like a def- couple comes in thinking they want to experience it and then he's like wait she's enjoying yeah. that more than i thought she would yeah. than she does with me well again that because there's no way to know ahead of time how you're going to react of course and i think how it what it comes down to is how you react because no one's saying jealousy is bad and you shouldn't feel jealous. No one says non-monogamous people don't get jealous. It's about how we handle the jealousy. So if that situation happens in a couple, you know, just you communicate. You say, hey, can I just got to call a timeout or a pause or a hard stop? Or, hey, can we just hit pause real quick? And you take five minutes and then you either come back and say, you know what? We're not comfortable with it. Or you go with like, hey, we talked about some things and, oh, man, we're really excited to get back into it with you. Uh, I think it's it's something I think you would agree with that a lot of people are just, at the end of the day, terrified to communicate with one another. And, and I should th- say, by the way, the person I'm talking to right now okay. is Brian Howie, host of The Great Love Debate, um, who has so many questions about orgies, more than I ever thought he would have. Well, because people <laughs> ask me these questions have and you never I don't been? have them. No. Oh. I shot the closest I think I've come. Was I, uh, so to speak, was I uh, went to a dungeon here in New York, and my friend who is a dominatrix was shooting a uh, slaver size workout video. So she had about (laughs) 12 of her clients, (laughs) and for the, so I'm there, and there's guys there, and they're gag gag balls and tutus, and and she's yelling at them and telling them to do push-ups and everything, and for the first hour, I'm like, God, these guys are so fucked up, like, that they like this. And then after an hour, I realized that they liked that more than I like anything. And I felt, you know, I felt like I was yeah. the outsider. And that was so weird over the course of an hour. I'm like, I wish I loved that. They're so happy. I'm not that happy. I, it, was, it, was a, <laughs> it was a very, like, eye-opening thing that you're judging something that whether you don't like it or you don't understand it or you don't know it, and then you see that for that person, that works, 
And then I never really judged anybody again after that. Yeah? Yeah. It was the craziest thing. It was like, that guy's so into this. <laughs> I'm not into anything like that. Yeah. even You're like, even vanilla sex. I'm not, I'm not even that excited about it. Yeah. It was the strangest <laughs> thing. I'm like, she's has like her stiletto in his jugular and he's so happy that i'm like why wouldn't i be happy like that like it was really just a weird uh experience that once you stop judging you're like well what is it about it that they like and what is it and then you started to look at it and it's it, it you know quote unquote normalized over the course of an hour it was just their thing and also like what does it say about you your reaction to it so, you know, yeah, that, that you can't. That's why I'm like, don't ever judge somebody's happiness, unhappiness, preferences or whatever, because unless you're actually experiencing it the exact same way they're experiencing it with the same experiences leading up to it, mm -hmm. you don't know what's radical. You don't know what's experimental. You don't know what's boring to anybody, you know. And so, um, you know, I didn't sign up for a membership there or <laughs> anything, but it, it was really like, huh? Yeah. No judgment. So that's the closest you've been to being like nude with a group of people. I've been nude with two people, but they're both sure. female. Sure. But one of things, you know, that's happened yeah. to me a couple times back in the day. One of two things happens, or at least my experience with it, either you liked one more and one got a little mad, or they liked each other more and you felt in the way. Uh-huh. There's <laughs> a joke I do. I say um, I used to have a lot of threesomes with my ex, or, or as my ex would call it, lesbian sex, where Billy holds my hand. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of what it is. Because once they're going down that road, then they're like, "What do you? You? We don't need you that much, dude." That's fine. At that point, I'm like, "I got a, I've got a great show to watch, or I can go get some water." Yeah, they will. Then they, they'll they probably find interest in me at some point. Yeah, <laughs> at some point, I'll have some purpose, like to pay for the, something here. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't need it. Okay, that's fair. That's uh, fair. You know. Yeah, <laughs> one's plenty. Well, you're a you're a conf semi confirmed bachelor. I feel like you've been. Uh, I've been a bachelor my whole life. I feel like or I've never been married. You seem like you're professionally a bachelor. <laughs> a um, way. I think I'm a little like Clooney was. Clooney was divorced all that time, mm -hmm. but he had this. The people thought of him as a bachelor, like he's never going to marry. People forgot that in his twenties he was married, right? Because he didn't put that out there. Um, I have been more recently pretty open about how. It wasn't just I was just like leading this playboy lifestyle. It was sort of I was emotionally walled off and had trouble getting in, into the deep, deep relationships that most normal. So I would have long-term girlfriends, mm. and then uh, there was always sort of a barrier. So now I have somebody I like, I'm, I'm comfortable with, she's awesome, and it took the right person to allow me to be in that situation. Uh -huh. So it was, it was about a combination of me willing to go there and they're willing to see like, it's going to be okay here, and now we're fine. How how long has this been going on? A while. A while. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm out. I don't I don't I don't need an orgy. He's out. It's great. I'm out. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Well, because one, I, I've had this conversation with you before, and I'm probably wrong, and I'm probably <laughs> judgmental to say this. I think if you need several, it's because you don't have one. Mm. And some people are like you're going to have a better experience with one if you have several. Like, there's, th I get there's both sides to this. I think it's controversial for poly people to admit that there are poly or quote-unquote poly people who do that. I think there are some people who are 
they, they, they treat it like Pokemon. They're like, well, I got to catch them all. I got to get all the girls. And people always ask me if I'm poly. And I was like, I mean, I don't know if I ever told you why I started the podcast, but it's because women would sleep with me, but they wouldn't date me. And I wanted a relationship. That sounds like the dream back in your 20s. Right, right. <laughs> but like, I wanted a girlfriend. And so, you know, when people be like, so like, are you poly? Are you this? And I'd be like, I don't know, maybe, but I'd, I'd like to get one girlfriend before I think about seven. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. See, I always... uh had a girlfriend or could have a girlfriend um but so it was like i needed lots of different types of girlfriends because i wasn't really sure what worked for me i think so what do you mean different types like this kind of crazy or that kind of crazy <laughs> oh there's a lot of different types <laughs> endearing of, uh, himself difficult or crazy well <laughs> i know that's what i thought at the time i thought you were gonna be like well one's kind of like into sports one's into cooking uh, no one was an alcoholic one was a bulimic one was a drug addict. like again i would intentionally date again don't take this term rod in intentionally flawed women or women who had some overt issue and we all have these, but they were more overt. So I, I have uh, lupus. I have uh, diabetes. I'm like, yes, let's go out. Dude, because, it's never lupus. Because, Did we not watch House? Yeah, there, there was lupus. For a long time, I dated lupus. Because I'm like, well, we need to focus on your issue, and then nobody was going to turn the spotlight on me. Uh -huh. And so, and it isn't nice of me to be here despite your issue. Like, I wouldn't say that, but part of me would think that, because if I ever found somebody who at least on the surface, had it all together or had a, then they were, then I felt inadequate. Yeah. They're like, I'm good. Now let's, uh, let's figure, figure out what's yeah, fucked up with you. Yeah. So you would intentionally land on these, because people would say to me all the time, like, you date the most fucked up, crazy, bitchy, whatever girls. And I'm like, isn't that wonderful of me that I don't care? I don't judge them. But really it wasn't about any sort of, you know, me being a good guy. It was about me being an insecure guy. And has, have you been doing this pretty much like your whole dating life? Yeah. Yes, until I went to therapy. And then the therapist explained why I, you know, it, that it was rooted in my own insecurity and issues uh. and all these kind of things. How long have you been in therapy? Uh, in this, like, I that, that it sort of fixed it, maybe like three years. And, and sort of the great love debate sort of kicked that into drive. Like when we started doing the great love debate shows, which, of course, is, if you want to sell them what that The is. Great Love Debate is, is a live touring uh, show in theaters and comedy clubs around the country. We've been to 84 different cities over the last five years where it's sort of town hall style, where men and women get in a room and have this sort of open, honest, free-flowing conversation about love, sex, dating, relationships, mm, right. you know, and it goes in all sorts of directions. But when we started this, I was more like Jerry Springer, like... You people are fucked up. I have no trouble dating. And I would sort of just stir the pot and see what would come out. So you Wait, get a couple so hundred people in a room. You would be more unlikable in the past than you were now. Oh my God. <laughs> I would be more antagonistic because I would be super judgmental. Now I'm sort of on some level selling hope. Before I was like, I just want to be this as, as uncomfortable as possible because I didn't, I didn't, you know, because I didn't really understand it. I, I understood it sort of, I understood the woman. I really didn't understand the men. I'm a guy, but I didn't understand how many men were hurt or angry or I didn't understand any of that because I never pay attention to it. And I certainly didn't ask the question of myself. Mm. And then about halfway through the second year, somebody was like, said something. And I'm like, these people are 
feeling stuff and talking about I don't even know what they're really talking about. Like I don't even it's not even like I've never heard before. I'm like I don't even understand. So I'm like I need to figure that out and I went to therapy. And the therapist made me understand why I wasn't feeling things or understanding things or whatever and then suddenly you know you go back to 5-year-old Brian and 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 all these kind of stuff and how you never trusted the concept of love because you didn't trust your parents love for each other or for you and all that kind of stuff so it was always sort of i would always say i put enough chips on the table to stay in the game but i would never go all in in mm. any situation and that therapist got me to go to these places you know that's fantastic yeah i had, uh, I had ex- so then the shows got better when i was part of the muck mm-hmm. like when people were like like oh i get i'm just like everybody else here you know, somebody came up to me in a show in San Diego and she goes, you know, I was here two years ago. I can't believe the difference. And I'm like, yeah, the show's changed a lot. She goes, she goes, no, no, you seem like a different person. And that freaked me out. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And instantly I like reverted into kind of being a dick mode because yeah. that was too vulnerable for me. But, you know, people pick up on just the slightest change. And, it, and it's a better show for it. Yeah. We used to have people either leave the show. <laughs> I can imagine. Or... <laughs> Especially in New York, because New York with women are a little challenging. Oh, uh, uh, I think. Sorry, I, I misunderstood. I think you said feminist, and then you just it, yeah, it came, they're, out, they're, came off as challenging. They're a little too. Uh, we'll get into that. Um, but uh, the the show went from people would wake up the next day and think, "I really wish I didn't go to that." It just reinforced everything I thought. To now, at least usually, people are like. I went to this thinking that I was not like everybody else and I left thinking we're all like this and I feel mm. much better. And so that was that change came from my change, yeah. I think. I it's I enjoy the show more than I thought I would when I first showed up to check it out. Our our, our mutual acquaintance, Steve Dean, he was gonna do it. He's like, You should come by and check it out. I'm on panel. So I mm-hmm. came by and I and then I was like, Oh, this is so like heteronormative, this is very like men and women are different. Um, but I think when I started to figure out the context for you, I became so much like comfortable with what was happening because I realized like one, there's a specific audience that's there. And then you were like, we're selling hope. Well, not only that, we're, yeah, we're selling hope, but Cause we've done you- gay shows, uh-huh. we've done black shows, we've done uh, Asian shows, we've done Jewish shows, college Every possible demo we've done. And if you printed out the transcript to all of them, you couldn't tell right away which group you were dealing with because right. it's still about confidence and communication. Until one of them got into like uh, a bit about share concerts and you were like, I think I, I know which I, one this is. Maybe, right, it is. But because it really, the root of any interpersonal uh, dynamic or relationships is confidence and communication, that's really what we're selling here mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So Because we get a lot of... People who say exactly what you say, they're like, uh, they'll send us an email or they'll see a press release go out and they're like, that's so heteronormative. And I'm like, I guarantee you, if you got a couple hundred of your friends and we did the same kind of show, it's pretty close. Yeah. Uh, and, and what I appreciate that, it's like, it's not a show where it says, okay, well, men, you need to go out there and be confident and pick up the women. Um, there were, there's a lot of very interesting. I love your Starbucks example. The, Wait, at one point in the show, you usually get two people to stand up, and you usually get some man and a woman to stand up. And uh, he's like, okay, now I want you to pretend you're behind her in line at Starbucks. And then 
you know, and just start talking to her. Like, and you have to figure damn. out how to, in 2018, when they're staring at their phone or they got their headphones in, you've got to figure out in real life, in real time, how to do that. And we all have these sort of barriers. I brought up the, the, the uh, gay shows that we do. The, you know what the biggest challenge is mm. in the gay dating community? The 23-year-old gay guy, he's been out for 15 years. He was probably prom king. The 55-year-old gay guy, half his friends are dead, and he had to be married for 20 years. And the disconnect between the generations on it that they don't understand, they don't appreciate, is crazy. And it really uh, affects it. Same with the, on the lesbian side. There's women who've been lesbians their whole life exclusively, you know, the gold star lesbians. And then there's some who are like, I don't like my boyfriend. I'm going to try this for a while. And they don't like that either. So within each group, there's still these communication, confidence, past issue breakdowns that need to be put out there. How does the, the live show change in some of the, the queer versions that you'll do? Not, like in, just like in like maybe like in, in I always or I always start out like what are the biggest challenges and then I sort of wing it from there and they're pretty similar like you know the gay guy it's a little more normal to have a little more uh, wiggle room in your relationship sexually hmm. but that that's still about what is everybody comfortable with, you know and you know gay marriage hasn't changed a lot. In terms of he's one of the right to do it, but it isn't really, you know, most of the really uh, solid relationships that I know are gay couples who who are happy and open and and communicative and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of the process of it, no difference. The black shows are a little different because the sisters are mad, real mad. Uh (laughs) And uh, and, uh, they're mad because they think there aren't enough good black men and the ones there are are going for the white girls and the white guys are not going for the black girls or or the the pool they feel the pool of possibilities is too small for them do you find that like these whether it be the different theme shows with different groups or just men and women in general there's like a lot of stereotypes that we've embodied even if we're part of these groups that are holding us back yeah we want to believe that's the case because they it's, wanna... easier, it's easier to think there are enough good black men out there as a black woman to date than, than to, to think... like think like, oh, maybe I'm just having a hard time. I say at every show, it's never that you haven't met the right person, it's that you haven't been the right person. It's so much, we do these shows in Atlanta, and the women in Atlanta, even every show we do there, they're like, it's seven to one women to men here. I'm like, it absolutely is not. It is 50-50 in every city in America. At most, it's like 50.6. or. But if they believe that to be the case, then it's not me. It's the city. Uh-huh. It's the lack of choices. It's anything. And it's not, it's about not taking personal responsibility for your own happiness, your own journey, all these kind of things. Everywhere we go. And, and you know, the media perpetuates this. I get journalists telling, they, they're like, it's 12 to 1, it's 5 to 1, it's 6 to 1, and I'm like, it absolutely, I go, how could that even it's be? Impossible. It's impossible. And then when they break it down, they're into like, well, good guys, or this kind, I'm like, it's well, a- that's another variable too, that's subjective. I love, jo- uh, did you read John's book? John Berger's did, book? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, So he's been on the show, and what I love was that like, yes, there's a lot of, for the most of the book, it's saying, don't, hey, it's the ratio, it's not you, right? But until he gets to the end and says, it's actually just because you're limiting yourself to 
what college educated people like and you're college educated and you're limiting yourself to that because if you expand your options all of a sudden it starts to become more 50 50 and it doesn't mean that person's any better or worse than the finance he, guy would a master right he preaches uh mixed collar relationships yeah. which is a really good term and if these women i go if these women really want these college educated guys i'm like go to san jose sure they're filled with all these uh, really smart Stanford and Harvard guys. And I go, and you wouldn't date any of them. <laughs> you wouldn't date any of them. So it's really not that either. It's what you want to believe that my choices are because people suck. It's not me. Uh-huh. Makes it easier for people. Yeah. Has uh, has doing the show like improved your dating life, you think? Or have you been doing this as the the thing that you're in that you haven't ca- said the word relationship? Has that been, oh, had, did that overlap doing the live shows more? Well, I started in a relationship and finished in a relationship, I guess. I mean, I I started when I was in one, and it wasn't a healthy one. Mm. Um, And I've gotten healthier, and the show has had its ups and downs, at least our hetero, what is it, heteronormative? Uh, You would say, well, well, because... because There's been two points that have changed the show. Mm. The election, right after the election, was really, really hard, especially in New York. Yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised. We go to Dallas, they're all love Trump. And, and well, yeah, not, Dallas is a very, you know, yeah, great city. So but in New York, right after the election, the women wanted to blame all of the men, even though Trump won white, white women, women voters, yeah. but <laughs> not in New York, he didn't. That was a challenge. We worked our way back, worked our way back, and then the Me Too stuff just, like, a lot of guys just dropped out. They're like, I'm not dealing with this. I don't. It's one thing... That if you reject me when I ask you out, I don't want to be called a pervert. I don't want to be fired. I don't want it. Virtual porn is ready. I'm out. But do do they get? I mean, do you agree with the assessment that it's like their big fear is being called a pervert and like her big fear is being raped? Uh, well, there's a real. We're lumping a lot of. We're we're lumping. Uh, you're really hot. You want to go out sometime with being raped. But I don't. We're think, lumping it into a big pool. I'll put it this way: I don't think the mainstream consensus is that's what's going on. I think there's some people who are unhinged who, before me too, were also the crazy person on the subway shouting. I, I think we, that person I think was we, yelling at that well, guy. Either way, I don't think me too had anything to do. It's the guy now. Yeah. People who are already. I always say that the the women want the men to try harder, and the men want the women to make it easier. Okay, mm-hmm. that that's sort of where it comes down to. Sure. Men were already a little bit too passive in the last five years or 10 years for a a lot of different reasons. And now, since the Me Too stuff, there's that one extra beat of hesitation that leads tons of opportunities to disappear. Because I believe there's a certain amount of opportunities every day where you can recognize them, act on them, or don't kill them that will lead to all sorts of possibilities because me too has made everybody you know in a lot of ways good pause extra those opportunities are cut in half i have very sane friends my very very sane female friends the one the ones who like i do i trust their when they they tell a story about something that happened to them on the subway like mm-hmm. i am believing that story i have ones who i'm i'm i question their judgments but of all the ones who who I do trust their judgment have told such multiple terrifying stories um, about men who like don't go, oh, hey, excuse me, miss. And then they say, you know, they don't answer or they say, oh, no, thank you. And the guy stops. Mm-hmm. I've never seen any of these women 
talk shit on the internet about guys who say, hey, excuse me, and then respected it when she didn't answer or said, you know, I'm, I'm doing a thing, right? It's always the guy who is persistent well, through yeah, it. That we've unfa- unfairly taught them to do through uh, media for decades. I heard somebody say the other day, well, things are going to change because women are so united. I said, women have never been more divided in the history of this country. Half of the women are like, I have been itching for this fight for 20 years. We need to blow up the system. It sucks. They're right. And half the women are like, shut the fuck up. You're going to scare off all the rest of the men. And that's a real, and there's a huge disconnect, even when we do our shows in New York now. But that's only because the half that is mad at the half that wants to change things, that's only because like 5% of that half is really loud and fucking nuts because it's an extreme side. Well, it's a, there's five. It's a per- radical faction of it. So this side is actually yelling, mad at that radical faction. And there's five percent of men who are like women or uh, gold digging bitches and whatever. Right. I, I we get, have to not see each other as those extreme parts. I, I get that, yeah. but the men who are in this sort of twenty percent who are on the fence, it's made them think twice. Porn is real accessible. There are options, and you can get a reasonably satisfying experience without getting rejected, and that's a huge problem. I think it's good that we're thinking twice. Oh, I think it's good overall, too. You have conversations, but you're not afraid to discuss this stuff, but I do shows in Seattle and Denver and San Jose and places where the men are, to be generous, socially awkward. Okay. They've already been thinking... 20 times now they're thinking 10 more times and they're like i'm never going to solve this they hear the the real gray they're like is that bad i can't do that and they're like in two years i'm gonna be able to put on a helmet somebody who looks just like jessica alba is gonna tell me i'm amazing and give me a reasonably satisfying sexual experience those guys are out and they are not coming back and there's a lot of college educated guys ladies they're gone they're never coming back and a lot of women who are like, I don't need a man, they're not coming back. So the dating pool is shrunk in eight months as we tape this. <laughs> For real. I I don't think those guys are gone, gone. I think they just need to know that they're not. I think the big thing, again, it's like there's a big fear of this. Like, I think we perceive this humiliation. Like you were saying earlier about the orgy stuff. It's like if you got rejected, let's say, 10 times by different people at a sex party. Maybe it's a party where like 200 people, you got rejected 10 times. It feels humiliating. But no one else at this party probably saw it. So I don't think it's actual humiliation because I don't think if anyone else sees it, then you're not humiliated. So I think there's this perceived – like if we get rejected trying to talk to a woman on the subway, if unless she has a big freak out, which really isn't going to happen unless you're going to like she's actually crazy uh-huh. or you are crossing a line. If you because no one's going to get mad, no reasonable person could get mad at. Hey, excuse me, miss, one time. And if you stop, well, it- but some you know it's different in certain cities we go to. When we do the Great Love Debate in New York, the guy thinks if he gets the microphone, he's going to get laid. When we do the show in Seattle, the guy thinks if he gets the microphone, he's going to get laughed at. Because that was experience in high school. And a lot of people never get past everybody saw me and laughed at me when I was 15. Because somebody said that to me. It's like, if I went up to this woman and she gets rejected, everybody's going to see it. I go, nobody's paying any attention to you. You think that people are paying attention to you. That's almost this weird self-absorbed thing uh, that people think. That's not easily convincible. So if they're like, I like playing video games. 
and I like to look at girls naked, and the technology is bringing those two things together, they're not coming back. Then let them go, I said. But it's but that's it a, that's not a small... Combine not, it with some healthy, like, ethical non-monogamy becoming more mainstream, I think it'll work out. <laughs> is I don't know if non-monogamy is becoming more mainstream, or if it's becoming Would, a, a place where where people can't connect in a healthy monogamous relationship or going. I mean, there's two ways to look at it. But would that it's better but, or but that, worse? But I don't that know. statement implies that monogamy, just in the phrasing of it, implies that monogamy is, is the more ideal, moral thing to do. Uh, uh, well, I don't know about moral, but I think if you gave people a, uh, here's a, here's a document and here's a notary hmm. and, and I'm going to give you a pathway to a healthy, loving sexual trusting relationship with just one other person would you sign up for that sure Every, everybody would sign up for but that. also if so i if give you the same thing that says you can have that and have sex with other people i think i you know a lot of people would people, sign that too i think i don't think they would i think if they genuinely knew that that was the, if you're giving them this guaranteed piece of paper that says this is how life's gonna go i think they would think that's complicated and risk they i don't think they would trust it but then who, wait, why should they trust the paper you're going to give them for that because that's what they really want or more that's likely what they've to been trust. taught. Maybe, to but want. that's not changing in, a, in the next hundred years. It's, I think it's already been changing. It's, it's people are looking for other outlets to be happy. There, there grew. I think. I think there are these. I think there are the people. Like I said earlier, the people who treat Polly like it's Pokemon. So some people who are just like they're socially sexual beings. They're not looking for relationships. They're aromantic. romantic, uh, sociosexual, aromantic, right? So people who just want to have some fun, awesome sex, not have romance whatever but i think there's also people who genuinely do feel like i can have this relationship and i can have this relationship and they don't i agree with each other. but there aren't i yep. haven't met anybody who's done it 10 years i've i've met i've met quite a few well i think then people need to hear from them more and i think and that's the thing i think we are hearing more as podcasts have gone bigger, yeah yeah and with the with digital media it's, we are hearing from these people, the people and who, the fact that we even have these terms are terms that weren't around like just the language has changed in the last 10 years i think it proves that it uh has become more mainstream that you do see you know even even when they are just clickbaity articles we're seeing articles about like thruple gets married right like that wasn't around 20, yeah it wasn't i know yeah. lots of married women who are like i don't care if my husband touches anybody but me I, i'm tired i get the kids go do whatever you want they're open about it. Yeah. It works for them. People are looking to alternate paths or whatever. I just think that that some people that works in a healthy way and some people are hiding in that. For sure. But I think we could say that about like almost You could say that about else. getting yeah. married to your high school sweetheart too. Yeah. I, I totally agree. There's a lot of people who've been married. My parents have been married 53 years. I don't think they like each really? other. Really? I don't think they like each I other. I just assume from what you were talking about five-year-old Brian, I Well, it works divorced. the opposite. They I mean, divorced. sometimes it works. My parents got divorced and they yelled at each other and I don't want that. I looked at it like, I don't want that. They've been married for all this time. This doesn't seem loving to me. Okay. So that so it can so work either together, way. Together, but staying wasn't... together looked was bad to me. I'm like, I'm not signing up for that. Gotcha. So yeah, so it can work either way. Uh -huh. You know, getting out of a bad relationship is just as good a skill as getting into a good one. And a lot of people would rather be in a bad relationship than no relationship, and hmm. that's not good. So like it, d during your live show, like there are there is a portion like especially towards the end where there's a little bit more like Q and A type stuff. Like does non monogamy poly does that come up? 
in the live shows. It uh, it does. It comes up more in certain cities. It comes up a lot in Portland. It comes up a lot in sure, Austin. It sure. comes up in a, a, a San lot in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, it comes up in a lot. Um, you know, I'd like to do a show that was just completely, uh, what's the term? Poly-friendly. Poly-friendly, yeah. People, because I'm curious. You, like, offer, I, I, you know how you do that? You offer like a buy two, get one uh, free ticket. Yeah, I think you could. <laughs> I think most of our uh, audience, though, they're like, uh, that's not what they're looking for. Oh, no, definitely. I pick, Even in the New York shows, I picked up on that. Most of the audience was 30s, 40s, with some in the 20s, some in the 50s. Yeah, as we, as we tape this show uh, yeah. today, I have a show tonight here in New York, and there's a guy um, on our stage, and he's in an open marriage. Mm-hmm. Doesn't. He's very funny and entertaining. He's got a really good perspective Comedian? on it. Uh, no, he's okay. I think he's a dating coach. Sure. Um, uh, his name's Mr. Lucario. And when he says what he says about their relationship and what their understanding is, sounds really smart and really dead on and really... And some people are just like, la, I, la, la. I yeah. don't want to hear anything about this, but he's like, what? Marriage means that you this and he makes you really question a lot of things it's super controversial he's out on the fringes and it makes me seem more reasonable so i like <laughs> what he does the show but but listening to him all of the points he makes there's an argument for them he's not just a misogynist pig exactly. like you know and a lot of people think that's the case about because there are those guys but that's not what Polly is yeah but yeah but yeah, I mean, we've had some poly people and we've, you know, we try and open it up to, because we think that there's a, there's a nugget in everybody's experience that can apply to everybody. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we do shows in the Bible Belt where they get mad. Because I made a comment one time in Indianapolis. I'm like, come on, we're not, there's no virgins here. We're all adults. And then I got an email the next day, like, we're, there are lots of virgins here. And I'm like, what are you And talking? we're proud of it. Guys. Yeah, sort of. And I'm like, so you kind of, I have to change a lot of stuff depending on where I'm doing the show. You can't go anti-Trump in Atlanta. You can't go pro-Trump in Los Angeles. You know, you have to sort of, where am I right now? What am I dealing with? There's knowing, a lot of really uh, hurt people hiding behind their faith one way or another, mm. whether it's Jewish or Christian or whatever, there's a lot of people that are like, that's my barrier to whatever. And I, it's interesting because I have listeners who like are from Bible Belt and who hit me up being like, you, your show is the only place I get to hear anything close to yeah. sex talk uh, because no one around me is going to talk about it. There's a lot of men. We go to Nashville and they're like, I want to good Christian woman who's going to walk with the Lord and we're equally yoked and all that. And I'm like, I think you think that woman is less likely to hurt you. Mm. I think that's what it's about. And I think you're using your faith as a shield to not get hurt. And the women on some level, they're like, well, I think a guy who goes to church every week is a good guy. And and they know that's not true. Yeah. But they can't get around the fact that that's a lie or that's not a good gauge of doing that thing. So they're still going to fall back on that default of church means good, praying means good, good people, even though it, it's probably the opposite. Yeah. But, you know, Jewish people too. Like, I'm, I need, we do Jewish shows, and a little bit they're like, all right, we've all dated outside our faith. We got to figure this out now. Mm-hmm. We got to get back together. Like, we all made our bar mitzvahs together. Let's date, you know, seriously, because our families want that. So it's uh, w- one of the things I really like in the shows, and that's 
like uh, the thing I think does tie all these different groups or whatever you are together. It's it's one of the things that allowed me to be like, this isn't just a guy doing a show where it's about how men and women are different. You know, the, when you talk about confidence, because that is a that is applicable to men, it's applicable to women, it's applicable to you know queer people, it's applicable to fucking anybody. Yeah, uh, is having confidence. Well, I think everybody uh, wants to be confident, and I and I think everybody wants a confident partner. But I think there's there's only about ten percent of people maybe that are sort of naturally confident in the situation you want them to be, and then there's another pool of people that can be confident if the environment uh, is a place that can foster confidence or can That's manifest me, that. Nice to meet you. Right, and so <laughs> if it's the so it's sort of on the partner, the relationship, the situation to sort of create a little Petri dish where somebody who, whose confidence wasn't right there can come out a little bit more. And I think our show does that. We've had 47 couples that we know of get engaged after meeting at a great love debate. That's a tremendous statistic. Really doesn't have anything to do with anything that anybody says. It's about this atmosphere of, I'm not so different from everybody else. I can talk to somebody about this and things happen. It's a great stat. All I've got is I've got like 13 pairs of people who have banged each other because they both they listen to the show. That's, That's all I got. That's nothing to sneeze so at, far. my friend. That's more than most bars. <laughs> you could walk into a bar and they haven't had 13 people do that in the same amount of time. Well, so, it's conversa- it's, yeah. it's information, conversation, communication. Yeah. All of this. It matters. So since, since the Me Too movement uh, really went uh, underway, how have you... Have you altered how you discuss confidence have you talked about have you do you throw in lines about like common sense boundaries such as like a woman with her headphones on well i say well i say my my boundary now that's going to eliminate a big chunk of the problems is just don't do anything in the workplace that's yeah that's a good idea right now a lot of people spend a lot of their waking time in the workplace a lot of very happy people met in the workplace my parents met in the workplace i get that i'm like I didn't say don't do anything with a coworker or whatever. I'm like, just don't do anything within the walls of your, save it for happy hour at Applebee's sometime, right. maybe. That's okay. But once you take that away, then you're taking away like a, a power employer-employee thing. You're taking that off the table. And that also doesn't mean send dick pics f- through Facebook Messenger, guys. That doesn't mean... Yeah, that doesn't... It's doesn't, like, what, I was home when I did it. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that either. But, you know, as I bring up in the show a lot... The reason the guy is sending the dick pic is because you're not responding to anything. But you're not responding not to hello. It's not an okay. excuse. It's an explanation. And some women like it. So you can't say, but well, all women like it. If you responded, ladies, to, uh, hey, how are you? We just, you know, which is boring, but something like that. More, you're not going to get the dick pics. The guy's shouting with the dick pic. My... I, I can I can feel uh, eyes rolling uh, that are listening. Well, I've done this. I ask a hundred women yeah. uh, at our show. I go, how many women here would respond to a poem? Like one hand goes up, mm. and I go, how many women here would respond to a dick pic? Maybe three hands go up, which isn't a lot. But I'm like, if the odds are the same, and then so I go, give me something, ladies. That if any guy sent it to you, you would respond regardless of whether I thought he was good looking. They got nothing. But do you? Nothing. But, but <laughs> that it doesn't exist because if it was just like, oh, I get a few messages in a day, 
and I have I would respond to whatever okay. But when it's like in some cases, especially in like a New York City, literally fifty Tinder messages in a day. They're not responding. They're not going to respond to all of them. But now that doesn't mean that they should also get like. 44 dick pics they're, because they didn't respond they're, to I don't think they are getting 44 dick pics I, but they aren't responding to the odds are not better if they got 50 nice messages that's I'm my saying, point the way, I, I understand your he's point saying, I understand the point that he's doing a risk assessment he's saying like well I can risk being an asshole risk being a nice guy and my odds are the same and so I'm just gonna it's not even that it's well she's not answering the the poems Here's let me just go for the low hanging fruit who will answer. Now let's. Uh, but what if we just uh, went with like take the no? What if we just took? What if we just taught dudes to take the non answer as non interest, or maybe say, hey, send one, maybe send a follow up, and then if you get nothing, leave it the because fuck alone. there's a lot of guys out there mm. who believe that if she would just talk to me. She would like me. And that's toxic, and we need to stop that. Well, I get that. I think that. we need to rewire our maybe, brains a bit. Maybe, yeah, you're right. I'm not saying okay, that. Okay. But okay. I'm saying a lot of the women need to do a better job of answering, hey, how are you? Because your opening line on Bumble, ladies, is no better than the guys's. Oh, that so, I agree so with. His so his boring, so his boring <laughs> open line, just because he didn't say he was 6'2 and uh, good job and all that kind of stuff, you may have to respond to three more messages a day you would see how those dick pics would go away a lot quicker they yeah, you would but that's a lot of you're asking for extra labor from women just to make men not show them their cocks no i'm saying they have to show them their cocks because there's not a reasonable response but they don't need, but they're people, not entitled to a response i think that as humans we are entitled to a certain amount of courtesy i used to believe this until i had multiple friends show me their phones and i was i just looking at a friend's like amount of tinder matches in a day i w i was overwhelmed just looking at it and i was like okay i get it okay. like as i used to say like come on you can just say no thank you just respond no thank you and then I saw how many times they would have to do that. Okay. And I was like, That's, well, okay. okay. So say you're a woman and you're out in the street in New York City and 50 people come up to you and say hello in a day. You wouldn't ignore or say fuck off to 50 people, but My online they will. Yeah, they will with them headphones on. Ooh. Headphones is different, <laughs> but like the way it was 20 years ago, you would say hi. You would engage face to face. So if you want to take the engagement out of it and you want to take all that stuff in person, you're go we're both going to have to change. Mm. So as men, we used to just be able to go up to girls and say, hey, you want a drink? You want to do a shot? You yeah. want some blow? You could do that, and that would work. Yeah. Well, we have to get a little more creative online now. Dick pics isn't creative, but we're both going to have to listen and communicate with each other better because you, you, everything's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. I think the communication, of course, like I've been saying the whole time, key and something we're all too terrified to do. Because what are we? We're afraid of the rejection. We're afraid of the perceived humiliation. Well, we had a woman in Los Angeles stand up at our show, and she said, "Send me the dick pic and send me the FICO score, and we'll go from there." And the women applauded like crazy. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, "Those are the things we need to know." And so the guys hear that, and they're like, "My FICO score sucks, so I'm not doing that either." You know, it was almost like permission. I got a pretty good FICO score. I've been <laughs> I've been working really hard at it. Just send that. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'll start. I'll start putting that in the fucking bumble bio. Yeah, I, I, I do think women also have their side that they got to do too. I don't think they're all totally off the hook. The bumble messages I get are so. I get so many that are just like, "Hey, how are you?" Yeah. And you can imagine, knowing me, that my uh, there's a lot of there's a lot to work with with whatever I have in my bumble bio. Well, I'm sure. You know? Yeah, it's like, I'm sure. So there's like a lot to play with. You send me, "Hey, how?" Are, like I get, "Hey." Do you know what I respond with? I say, "Hi." Yeah, women. I'm like, no, no, you're not going to pass this to me. Right, women <laughs> on Bumble generally are doing the absolute bare minimum to stick their foot in the door so the time doesn't run out, and putting the burden of communication on him. Which guys, good, take it from there. But not every guy. And guys are like, well, what is she going to respond mm-hmm. to? So the guys got to got to get a little more interesting and clever or whatever. But some of them are like, well, let me start with the dick pic, and if she likes that. I'm okay. But there's a place for that, and it's called Field. <laughs> it's called the Pure Hookup app. There are, there are apps for that. I don't think Bumble and Tinder are the place for that. Well, it was Craigslist there. Casual Encounters. Well, then, no, and then that's an appropriate place. I mean, you're talking to Mr. Craigslist here. So it's like, Does that like, still exist, or is that gone? Sadly, down, because right? of FOSTA-SESTA uh, and the attack on sex workers in this country, they have also taken away all of Backpage. They took out the ca- any so not just Casual Encounters. I think they took all the personals off of Craigslist. So even if you oh. were looking for marriage, which I don't know why you would do that on Craigslist, but there are people there. Hey, you, uh, plenty of fish is about the same as Craigslist, <laughs> yeah. so you take your shot. It's uh, it's all down because of that, because uh, they're afraid of uh, potential prosecution. So. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the woman who said, like, recent last week, actually, I unmatched with someone because she did a hey, I did hi, and then she said nothing after. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, she's cute. Like, let's try something out. Let's try again. So I was like... I sent a GIF of just, uh, I think it was the bear waving hi. It's one of the ones that show up when you search hi in the GIF thing. And I was like, okay, I like the bear one. And then she just says, hey. And I'm like, you're not passing this to me. I'm like, I gave you that's, a GIF. That's a good line. You're um, not passing this to me. Don't pass this to me. I like uh, I like Steve Dean's uh, very common thing that he'll give to people. It's like, if you don't know what to open with, open with a GIF. No, because a no? lot of well, that's an age thing. A, a lot of women over uh, thirty-five don't want any part of a GIF. No, no. They Ladies, don't. listen, over thirty-five, let me know. They uh, don't. <laughs> they don't. They don't. It's sort of like the the way ladies over thirty-five don't want to be asked out by text. Ladies under thirty-five don't want any part of a phone call. Like there's a there's some I'd love variables to be part of a phone in there. Huh? I'd love to be part of a phone call. I just I, I don't want to talk to anybody on the phone. I started switching the text because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I would be calling. Th- that's people. an age thing. Yeah, but but <laughs> a lot of you know I did. Uh, we had one of the bachelor at winners or bachelor winners on our podcast. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I got engaged, and we're walking off the set, and she's like, I don't even have this guy's phone number. Hilarious. <laughs> and she's that's like, the ridiculous that, thing right? about the, the that, whole fucking That's what she thought. Jokes. She's like, I, we never had a phone conversation uh, or a text conversation. And she's like, hey, we're engaged now. That's just all fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it's uh, something from the show. I think the last time I did your show, or maybe two times ago, was there was I was hosting a speeding event two nights prior. It was for women... 35 to f- like 53 or something. It was for a specifically older crowd. <laughs> Talking to this woman afterwards, very attractive. Like, I want, I went up to her afterwards because, like, I was hosting, but I was like, I don't know. She was talking to me a bit. Maybe I can, well, let's see what happens here. And she starts talking about, like, what she wants. Uh, she's like, oh, maybe you can help me out. I'm having trouble finding a guy who's, like, gamefully employed and, like, a, like a decent human being, like, a, intelligent. And then she said, and then, but then this is what she says, and this is here in New York City. She goes, she's probably like early 40s, mid 40s, I think. She goes, 
And, and this is really important for me, I am a conservative and I want to find another guy who's conservative. And I was like, and so I was just like, what do you, what do you mean? Cause like, like fiscally conservative. And she's like, no, like I don't want some trans whatever in the women's bathroom with me. That woman I'm never fucking dating. She's re- smoking hot and I'm never, fu- I'm not fucking her either. I'm not fingering her. I'm not doing anything. But no, it- no, but no, two, two nights later, I walked in. I got to the show early. Yeah. There was like three people in the bar because I was I was like very early, and one of the people waiting for the bar, this lady. And I'm like, oh, this makes so much sense. You're like looking for hope here. Uh, <laughs> but does she not want the trans person in the in the bathroom because she's anti-trans, or that she has privacy issues? Anti-trans because she didn't say I don't want other women in the bathroom with me. She's like, I didn't want trans people in the bathroom with me. But so well, with her, she was like, now my thing with her is I'm thinking like bitch you need to move to a new city because like you're gonna have a hard time you're gonna have there a- are no bathrooms in los angeles that are not oh well i didn't mean the bathroom better. part i meant like oh, finding yeah. a man like who fit all her qualifications and also was a conservative in yeah. new york city this liberal bastion yeah so it's like you gotta go move to dallas yeah yeah i agree with that yeah it's tough to have i mean that does matter we travel all over Cities have little differences, and uh, if you're narrowing your pool by, like, if you want to live in in Los Angeles and you want to date Republican women, you have a really small pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there just aren't that many, and that's why you know you got the 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 Trump staffers in D.C. hiding the fact that they they work for him right now because they're having a hard time getting. You late. might not get hired in and as an actor or an actress in uh, if there's social media that is pro uh, even Republican now, which is you know that's a choice you're making. You you know that now. Mm. You know you can't. You're not going to get hired. A lot of things if you're you know everybody should let everybody. Uh, live their life and do what they want and all these kind of things. But I think a lot of things can be worked out with conversation. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough to date a vegan for, for me. <laughs> I can work it out. Does the politics stuff come up during the show? I got to imagine that comes up all the. it comes down to this democratic men generally will date Republican women because a lot of them are really hot. Republican men. I'm immune to such follies. Republican <laughs> men will date Democratic women because a lot of them are awesome and nice and all and that kind really of stuff. <laughs> uh, Republican women will date Democratic men because a lot of them are good guys. Democratic women will not date Republican men. You go girls, you go girls. Generally, that is the one that theoretically, the Democratic woman is the most open-minded, most liberal, whatever. She is the most closed-minded when it comes to dating. No, not wanting to date someone who enables racist policy is not But a Republican isn't always racist policy. There is a lot of things to I mean, you could say a lot of, again, but... That's the one who's supposed until, to be open until, to everything. Look, until is they're really... kicking out my, my Canadian friends for the same reasons, uh, who are taking way better paying they jobs. They are. I was a lot of times where I've tried to hire Canadian actors and actresses for various things, and they <laughs> wouldn't allow it. There's a lot of discrimination against mm-hmm. Canadians. I, uh, there are. There is. There, I used to talk so much shit about Canadians until I realized how many Canadians like this show. And I was like, there are. Uh, I, I have a lot of trouble <laughs> always hiring a Canadian. Damn. Even I did an off-Broadway show here for years, and... You can't hire any Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. And they're like, they're fine actresses. Nope. Can't hire them. 
So. Oh man, Brian. Um, well, before we go, you know, tell us a little bit about the podcast you do. Uh, we obviously we, talked a lot about the live show. We do the uh, the Great Love Debate podcast, which is uh, the world's number one rated uh, listen to uh, dating relationship podcast. Um, we have a lot of celebrities on there, and uh, it, you know, it's the one thing that everybody has experience with, an opinion on, and can talk about is their love life, their sex life. Their, I mean, it's the one thing we all have in common. We all have frustration. We all uh, kind of, and you know, we, um, it goes in all sorts of directions. Yeah. You know, and it's fun. I like doing the podcast. And you also have a book coming out. Yeah. It's called Meal Bonding. And uh, it's a cookbook with anecdotes and recipes and everything. I don't cook, but I think a man and a woman cooking together, it's a sharing, communicative, let's work together to figure out a result. It's very metaphorical. You can get through a fight by cooking together. You can learn about something by cooking together. You can celebrate by cooking together. Uh, and uh, it's 37 ways to cook from first date to happy anniversary. It's like, do you want to win this argument or do you want to not burn the If you get cheese? in a fight, go let's make a meal together. And eat the meal together, and you'd be surprised at how uh, they, you know, a lot of countries do that. Warring tribes will be forced to eat a meal together, and they, and that tends to um, end end a lot of conflict. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Uh, my, la my last thing I want to ask you though is uh, during the live shows, has there been a question or a thing or something that came up that you've either said I got no idea? Or that you had to like later, you said maybe you didn't know anything about it and you had to go like figure that out for future shows. Something you were stumped by. Well, I used to really be stumped by the, um, how many men are carrying around fear or anger. I thought you were going to say, uh, uh, Manny, like, uh, fanny packs <laughs> no i didn't know that yeah they're also carrying <laughs> out fanny packs. packs how many men are 35 years old and either are angry or afraid because of something that happened when they were 14 years old and how they haven't dealt with that and how that really comes into their current dating experiences and frustrations and problems and it really does harm the women that they haven't a lot of women do process it better and they do get it out. They do share it with everyone, but there's a lot of guys uh, that are powder kegs walking around out there. And I, I have no, I, I had no idea. And now when I see it, I can sort of recognize it. Some guy stood up at our show in Seattle and he's like, I just want babies. And that's what you're for. What? And I'm like this baby maker guy. And I'm like, that's crazy. And he goes, well, the woman just said that the men are good for sperm. And he's like, I want it to be the same way. And so he hears women joke about something like that. <laughs> and like, he's that like, was a joke. And I go, real. yeah, they're kind of, I go, we are only good for sperm, dude, or whatever. And he's like, I want, and I go, nobody's letting you put your seed in them, buddy, with that approach. And he thought I was wrong. And he thought everybody was wrong. And it was crazy. <laughs> he, he was just open about that. He's like, I want to make babies now. And that's what they're for. And they won't let me make babies with them. <laughs> And I was like, "How old is this gentleman?" He was like thirty-five, <laughs> and uh, it was nuts. And uh, I go, even a woman right here who wants a baby, she doesn't want you to be a father. Like, there's a <laughs> lot going into this here. And he just wasn't listening. We went, he wasn't having it. Yeah, live entitlement, live toxic. It was really weird. He really wanted babies, 
and and he's like you're pre- by not having sex with me you're preventing me from having my babies bitch it- <laughs> go adopt go adopt it was the strangest thing oh. yeah, that was one that i'm like i don't even know what to do so i kept joking the whole time i kept calling him hey baby maker you like that <laughs> and he was just kind of getting more and more uh humiliated but he wasn't you know i'm like nobody's dating you buddy that's fucked up it's crazy <laughs> pants yeah that's such a great way to end. Yeah. <laughs> oh Brian, where can everyone go find you? Uh, go to greatlovedebate.com. You can check out our live tour schedule or uh, the Great Love Debate podcast is on every possible uh, podcast platform um, and Great Love Debate on all social media. Fantastic, dude. Thanks so much for chatting with me. It was cool. Thanks, everybody. I want to thank uh, Brian again for uh, coming on the show. Uh, I'm sorry that the release took so long. We actually recorded this episode an embarrassingly long time ago. Please go check out his podcast, The Great Love Debate, uh, and follow him him on the socials. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Billy Persita. Say hello. Use the hashtag ManWhorePodcast. Helps me find your post. Help me helps me find your Insta story. And of course, you can go like the ManWhore Podcast fan page on Facebook. I just posted a photo album from the uh, live show in Los Angeles. So if you're curious about the voices you're going to hear next week, you can uh, go take a little preview over there. And of course, if you want to say something to me a little bit longer, want to seek some advice yourself, or you want to send me some titties, you can uh, shoot me an email at manhorpod at gmail.com. We got merch, people. Did you know we had merch? Yeah. We got buttons. We got panties. We got t-shirts. We got all sorts of stuff. Head on over to gumroad.com slash podcast. Browse around and buy something fun. And of course, next week we have the live podcast, uh, Man Whore Podcast, live in LA. That's coming up next week with an interesting, uh, an interesting spin and a last minute replacement. Looking forward to sharing it with y'all next week. But until then, stay slutty. I'm um I'm gonna the 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 Claire saga from the email in the intro actually continued and it took a sad turn in my opinion. Uh we exchanged an extra email. Um she makes mention about erections and then Sends me this email, which had a lot of red flags for me. I find it um, kind of sad, and that's why I'm kind of dumping it here in the back, because uh, maybe less of you will hear it. But she wrote, uh, I'm not too concerned with him losing his boner. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I don't think there's been a time when the pleasure is just directed on me for the night. I do need to show him that intimacy can still happen without a hard dick in the room. I'm going to talk to him about this because I do care about him. This isn't the first time I've debated breaking up with him. And honestly, this isn't that bad compared to other stuff he's done. I've always tried to talk to him and figure things out. And I'm going to try and do that with this. Part of the reason I haven't broken up with him is because I really don't want to be single again. I live in a super small town and my high school has around 700 kids. This isn't an excuse, but I'm trying to keep what I have because when he's not being an ass, he's really fun to be around. One reason why I originally liked him so much was because he always made me feel good and would listen to me, and I felt amazing around him. I always wanted and tried to do the same for him, but I think he's kind of lost that desire to make me feel good in certain situations. In the past, 
He's expressed that he doesn't know why I'm still with him. I think part of that is he thinks I'm more attractive than him. And part of it is that he makes some bad decisions. I always just try to weigh the pros and cons because I feel like in the last couple of months that I'm in high school, I won't be able to find anything better. Um, and I already sent through this, so I, you know, I don't need to say this in the second person, but the, the most glaring of all of the obvious signs that you need to break up with this guy who struggles with the concept of going down on you, it, it's not even the going down on you anymore to me. What, what stood out is when you said, I really don't want to be single again. This is the worst reason to stay in a relationship. This part has all to do with you. You're so young, you know, like don't begin the fear of loneliness now. That's, that's for when you're 38. Okay. Because that fear will keep you in worse and worse and more dangerous situations. I've known people who stayed in emotionally and then physically abusive relationships in part because they were scared to be alone. (laughs) And these are just your, I'm just taking some of your words and throwing them back at you right now. This isn't the first time I've debated breaking up with him. This isn't that bad compared to some other stuff he's done. He won't go down on me. I really don't want to be single again. I don't think there has been a time when the pleasure is just directed on me for the night. I'm trying to keep what I have for the sake of having it, not for the quality of the relationship. He's kind of lost that desire to make me feel good. I won't be able to find anything better. Other men will listen. Other men will make you feel good. Other men will go down on you. But regardless of any of that, if you're afraid to be alone, that is a monstrously huge red flag. Think of this week's episode with Charlene, or last week's episode with Charlene, about sex and love addiction. You are setting the bar so incredibly low, and just makes me go, oh no. The amount of women who stay with a guy who hits them because, well, he's not doing that. He's so sweet. You may think you won't stay with a guy who does that to you until you do. And these are the early warning signs. I really don't want to be single again. I'm trying to keep what I have. I won't be able to find anything better. These lines echo so loudly in your email, Claire, and you will find better. You're also, fair reminder, you're 17 fucking years old. If you teach yourself to stay in relationships for these reasons, you're going to end up that 22-year-old girl who gets married, has a kid with like an exciting guy who doesn't feel right, but he's so nice to me when he's not being an asshole. And then you'll be the 24-year-old divorced single mom. And I know how that spiral at that age begins because I went to problem kid boarding school with a lot of those girls. You're 17 years old. You'll be done with high school in a few months and off presumably to other things. And most importantly, you're going to break up with him because you need to learn that fear of being single is not an excuse to not be single. And I can't emphasize this enough. There's a lot of world waiting for you. Don't let being stupid keep you from it. <laughs>